are closing stores just open. Oh, big news. Yeah. Big news on Animal Crossing Island. <laughs> big news on Meow Mix. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, creeps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he just heard uh, the Mabel Sisters clothing shop on, on Meow Mix just opened up. Yep. And I tried talking to, because it's Mabel and Sable, and they're both porcupines. But um, if you try to strike a conversation with Sable, Mabel will run up to you and be like, hey, can I help you with anything? I can help you with anything. Just step away from the seamstress. Because <laughs> I guess she's just like... I bet she killed someone. She's not quite all there. I, yeah, and she it... killed someone in a past life, and now they're... That's what it Starting seems like. Fresh That's what it seems Island, like. Yeah, because yeah, she's like, can't talk just so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, welcome back to September's Titillating Tales of True Terror. I think this will be our like official one year of listener stories slash titillating tales. Mm. I have one of those little cuts in my nose. Do you ever get that? Like right in the top, tippity top of your nostril. I probably. It's so frustrating. Probably doesn't help that I have like fucking... My metal ring is like right there. So, uh, <laughs> my cousin, I saw my cousin yesterday at the kids party. Yeah. And she was telling, she was saying that a, uh, an older lady DM'd her on Instagram. Okay. And she was like, hey, I heard you on Weekly Creep because... It, I don't. I didn't remember, but while we were recording, Mari Carmen gave her at information. Okay, okay. So the lady contacted her and said, "Hey, you were on the podcast," and they. She asked her, "How do you know Dulce and Adam?" And she was like, "Oh, well, Dulce's my cousin. Adam's her husband." And he's like, "Oh, that's so cool." She was like, "Well, have you heard? Have you seen anything lately, or have you? So they just started a conversation about that's really cool the subject matter, <laughs> and the lady's from Jersey, and she's been listening to us. And if you're listening to us, Jersey lady, uh, <laughs> that's not awesome. Jersey Mike, but Jersey lady, <laughs> Jersey lady. No, that's really cool. Thanks yeah. for the support. Like absolutely, that's, I was floored, and I was like, <laughs> I can't wait to tell Adam this because he's gonna be so happy. Yeah, to be honest, every time we get like we see that little like request thing in our inbox, and it's somebody new telling us anything or like current listeners or anything, obviously as well. But yeah, we both still get very excited because we're like, this is so freaking cool like oh this person's from jersey or mm -hmm. the philippines or whatever it's mind bottling mm -hmm. i'm saying that in my new dunder mifflin t-shirt so also you missed a lot in the party yesterday yeah apparently uh my cousin benji benji and i grew up together his first kid her name is brisa and she's a she's a real lovely girl i was telling her that you just got your worker's permit I was like, yeah, you know, he, he just got his worker's permit. He's not the first thing I had to smuggle into the U.S. She's like, did you really smuggle him in here? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I'm just joking. <laughs> and I'm like, but I have smuggled two turtles from Mexico in a cup with a lid on it. In a styrofoam cup. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I just went through the border. They didn't. <laughs> I mean, they just saw a cup. They didn't see anything suspect. And when we got home, I had two new turtles. And then I was telling her that uh, Porkchop came over here legit. Yeah, Porkchop was a legitimate immigrant. Mm -hmm. 
and I was telling Brisa, like, yeah, Adam got her papers in order. I gave her her shots, booked a business class airplane ticket for her. But in order to do that, he had to tell the airplane, the airlines, that she's a corporate cat. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't have sold him the business class ticket because you could only be a business person. She got to fly a business class. And when she got here, I had to change her name just in case anybody was looking for her or she owed anybody money. So I changed her name to Porkchop. That way, if someone came up to our house and knocked on the door and says, hey, is, does corporate cat live here? I'd be like, hey, man, you got the wrong house. I don't know a corporate cat. I have Porkchop. She's a completely different cat. Uh, you're going to have to leave now. And <laughs> But the reason why I started spinning that story with so many details is because, first of all, like I just wanted to see if she would Catch buy on. that yeah, yeah yeah i wanted to see how much bullshit i can talk before she called me on it and started laughing so that's the point where she started laughing because she knew it was just <laughs> bullshitting her. i like that story <laughs> also there's bonus points if any of you guys know what pork chop's middle name is oh yeah the one hint is that it is french it is french because you know the show are canadian roots and that right you ready yeah Okay, I'm going to go first because I have the odd number of stories this week, this month, this year, this month, this episode. So this one is from our dearest repeat offender, Ninja Pop-Tart. Oh! And she says, hello, hello, it's me again. How are you both? I promise <laughs> I'll leave you guys alone after no. this. I've already told her no. We love hearing the, all of the stories. doesn't yeah. matter. You do not bother us at all she's a bit of a celebrity on yeah leading tales yeah and then she just jumps right into it so back to good old mrs Gemma. miss mm. Gemma seems like a nice nice older lady as i said before she was probably who i saw the most other than the man she was so protective over everyone and tried her best to protect my brother and i from the man but she also tried to comfort me when my parents got too rough and upset with me I remember after a very rough Friday night, I went to bed early just to protect myself from their anger. I cried myself to sleep and woke up about an hour later to see Mrs. Gemma sitting on my bed, but a younger Miss Gemma. She looked different from how I normally saw her, which was in black and white and pretty see-through. Sometimes she'd show herself as an elderly grandmother or show what looked like a younger version of herself. I always had a feeling she never actually made it to the age of a grandmother, but showed herself as one to probably let me be comfortable around her, since my parents were about the age of her younger self, and adults of that age scared me from the abuse that I had been through. But here she was, in colour, and looked like a solid, living person. She had the prettiest light brown hair. She had one of those dresses that had red polka dots all over it, and had white everywhere else. She had bright red lipstick and looked so alive, bright, warm. I don't know how to explain it. She just felt safe. She looked back at me. She was at the edge of my bed with her back towards me and frowned. I asked her what I did wrong. She shook her head and patted my head and told me, Darling, you did nothing wrong. Sometimes grown-ups just take out their misery on the young'uns because the young'uns can't really fight back. But that says more on them than it does you, child. She placed a kiss on top of my head and told me to rest, like a parent would. 
like my parents should have. Please don't leave me. Everyone leaves me, I whispered to her before falling asleep. Last thing I heard was Miss Gemma saying, I wouldn't, darling, even if I could. What a sweet story, <laughs> first of all. But also, I feel like I'm not very good at doing the air. Uh, because she's like an older southern lady, right, Miss mm. Gemma. Mm. So I'm not exactly doing it justice there. But uh, those protective spirits are so fucking sweet, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I love hearing stories like that. It take like, we always hear it on Jim Harold and stuff. Not all ghost stories are scary. You know what I mean? Anyway, she has some updates for us. I've been having dreams of the man recently, and I finally went to the internet to see if anyone else had had any experiences. The closest thing that came to the man from my childhood home was something called the hat man. Everything I read said he is a shadow person who shows up when someone has been through trauma. A quote I found about this entity. In many cases, the hat man seems to be hanging around areas where there are negative emotions taking place, such as households that have experienced domestic abuse, fighting or depressed family members. End quote. And I'm telling you now, If that wasn't my whole childhood wrapped up in a pretty package, I'd be lying. I've also seen people state that the hat man feeds off fear and negative emotions, which I always felt like the man did. All I know is that I never want to see him again. P.S. I found out last week that my cousin currently bought that house and is the new landlord of it. When she told me that, that, I dropped the glass of wine I had been holding. Maybe that's why I've been dreaming of him again. My fears of him reaching into my dreams. Thanks for reading, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs> Such a positive, like, happy little twist at the end of that. First of all, I'm going to reiterate, don't worry about ever bugging us, because we do love getting all these emails and DMs. Makes us feel like we're doing something here. But the Hat Man is a serious thing. Actually, if I were you, Ninja Pop-Tart, I would go and listen to um, Jim Harold's Paranormal podcast, because I know that he's covered the hat man on past episodes i personally haven't listened to it because i'm always afraid that if i ever cover the subject i just end up copying someone else but that whole him feeding on negative emotions and areas i wholeheartedly believe in that's why the likes of miss Gemma or the positive spirits in buildings like that are so much more i don't know like impressive yeah and secondly just to piggyback on Adam's opinion about not wanting to cover the, or his sentiment about not wanting to cover those kinds of demons. No, it's not that I don't want to cover them. I don't want to listen to people who have already covered them. Oh. In case I just end up spouting out exactly what they have said. You You just might, because I did cover the hat man. I remember very early on, but wasn't it just shadow people in general and like the different... It was shadow people, not in general. It was the hierarchy of, That's right. Yeah. Of the shadow people, and, and there there are different shadow people, um, the types of environments that they gravitate towards, and how you can identify them. Yeah, and I remember it being like super fucking interesting. Oh, yeah. and the theories of what what they are and where they came from. I I actually remember really enjoying that episode. But yeah, Ninja Pop Tart, go listen back to it. I don't know, honestly, I don't know how you can stop having the bad dreams about it. Like, if you were seeing the thing in your house or whatever, I'd be like, go do your cleansing, say your prayers or whatever. Try Dreamcatcher. They're good for something. Oh, yeah, Dreamcatcher. That's right, actually. Remember, I took this one down in here. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I took it down because Porkchop or Max was playing with it. And then literally, like, all that week, I was fucking 
having the worst dreams until I put it back up. Even if it's all in your head, who cares as long as it fucking works, right? Anyway, all you right. have a story for us. I do. So this one goes, Hi, Dulce and Adam. My name is Theo, and this is my dad's story, not mine. In the late 80s, he and two friends decided to take a tour of a reputedly haunted hotel in the middle of the day in sunny Southern California. The hotel itself had burned down earlier that year, but some parts of it connected to an antique store had survived. Just to be clear, the hotel itself burned down, but the antique store within the same building was totally untouched. They approached the shop owner and joked with him how they heard the place was haunted. The guy said it was all baloney, but offered to show them around the remnants of the hotel anyway. They went down a long, dark, and slightly singed hall at the back of the store and up some stairs. The shopkeeper showed them several rooms just off the upstairs landing that were supposedly haunted. One had only a crib in it, the other a rocking chair, each with a ghost baby and a ghost old woman, respectively. They got nothing from those rooms. After the short tour had ended, one of my dad's friends returned to the storefront to chat with the shopkeeper. For whatever reason, my dad and his other friend lingered on the stair landing connected to those rooms. Suddenly, they saw a disembodied, translucent hand move through the air as if someone had lifted and dropped their arm. The sudden overwhelming feeling of hostility and malevolence surrounded them, as if something was telling them to leave now. My dad and his friend glanced at one another. The looks on their faces confirmed that they had both seen and felt the same thing. They did not mention it to their third companion until they were back at their shared apartment, white as sheets the entire time. They never went back. I attached a photo and some links about the old place. Keep up the good work and thank you both. What the fuck? These stories, are, I feel like I say this with every story, but what the fuck? Like, I cannot fathom the idea of seeing just a hand, like just flapping through the air. Yeah. Like, or any part. Remember we saw that video last week of like just pants running down the road? Or, oh yeah, that was fucking weird. Yeah, it was fucking weird. Yeah. But like, I can't, I just can't understand any of this. Like, that's crazy. I don't know what I'd do if I saw it. Like, yeah, that reminds me of those nukes videos where you just see feet. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing in like the Asian videos in mm -hmm. particular, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, one of the most unsettling things. Uh, I didn't realize how unsettling it was until I saw it i mean but thinking about it, it sounds comical just to see feet yeah but when you see it it's I fucking terrifying shit myself yeah like or just die on the spot i think like, oh now i'm a ghost i think faces because i've seen disembodied hands you know like in, in that one uh the chinese uh ghost hunter yeah shao long Oh, the I, ones that like, just came up out of the ground. Yeah, that one was not as scary. It kind of, it kind of was. Honestly, it was kind of cool. But yeah. the feet—they scare you more. The feet, and then the faces—that shit is scary. Yeah, but the difference is, those hands in particular that used that were in that video mm -hmm. were like coming up out of the ground. Yeah. So you can imagine the rest of a person beneath it, mm. but just to see them floating through. But still moving as if they're attached to something. Yeah, that is just a complete mindfuck. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Theo, we will include your pictures in the Instagram post to go along with this. I can't wait to have a look into that hotel a bit further. And also, how did they not tell their friend immediately? I would have bolted up and been like, see, Han, on the stairs, bye. Like, no. Well, sometimes it's involuntary. Like we discussed before when we were in Edinburgh, we just had to wait till <laughs> yeah. later. It just scares you into silence. Like, mm-hmm. That's fucking insane, man. Okay, so the next one, speaking of insane stories, this one is not, um, this one's not paranormal. Or certainly not that I know of. But we got this from Claire. Claire from Dallas. You know Claire from Dallas. Right. Anyway, she sent me, she sent us this email. And when I first opened it up, I was like, oh, well, there's a lot of pictures here. What, what is all this? And it's pictures of our family, but like from the 1900s and stuff. Like mm. some of the oldest family pictures I have ever seen. And Claire says, hey, y'all, I've been doing a deep dive on Ancestry.com. You think cigarettes are, in, are addictive? Try genealogy. I found some wild stuff. Adam, I'm of the clan McCullough. Are we foes? I don't know, Claire. I honestly don't know. <laughs> but please read the attached story. It made my head spin. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll read this. So it tells the story of the three Clark brothers, William, Alfred, and Robert Austin, who came from Frankfort, Kentucky. Now, this isn't the exciting part of the story, but I'm just going to read the whole thing. Sometime in the 1820s, they left on a raft of logs for New Orleans, Louisiana. Uncle William located in Hansborough, Mississippi. My grandfather, Robert Austin Clark, he located at Port Gibson, Mississippi, and married there. Afterward, he moved, moved to Madison County, Mississippi, then moved to Oak Grove Plantation in Hines County, four miles west of Brownsville. He had a nice home and lived there the rest of his days. Uncle Alfred was unmarried and lived with my grandfather and his family. A few years after my grandfather's death, Uncle Alfred married my grandmother. Neither one lived long afterwards. So I think that was just a thing back in the day. Like if your wife dies, you marry her sister. If your husband dies, you marry his brother. Yeah. Right. That seems to be the the theme with, was it the case of scratching Fanny? Yeah, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. so. So then the story took a wild turn. My grandmother, Rachel, her oldest brother, John Parks, was stolen from his cradle when an infant by a runaway person of color. That's not how it's worded here, but this is written a long, long time ago. Who kept him hidden in a cave near their home in Port Gibson, Mississippi. Three years later, the parents found him by seeing smoke coming out of the cave. Three years later. The person of color would slip back to the house and steal food for the baby. That person was hanged for kidnapping and from Kentucky. So I read this and I was like, hold on, what is going on here? And I asked, did they know any more about it? Claire said, it's from my mom's line. I lovingly say I'm one quarter white trash from this drinking farm and branch. And then she goes on to say, I have a few white cloth fueled theories for y'all that my delightful husband and I have kicked around. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. The theories we think have legs. Parentage. The baby had two parents. One was from a white slave-owning family. And then a little vomiting emoji. Agreed. One was a black person, formerly enslaved, now freed or escaped. So when the baby is born, 
the white folks kept the baby. The black freed folks recognized that baby as their own. So on behalf of the baby's mother or father, the freed family members retrieved the baby, brought him home and raised him. Later, when the white people stumbled upon their own child, they kidnapped him back and a black man in the family who raised the child for three years was hanged. That's one possibility. Another, well, theory. Another theory is revenge. The white slave-owning plantation masters were complete strangers to the freed black folks living in the woods nearby. Perhaps the freed folks, after generations of having their own children stolen and or sold into the lives of slavery, decided to even the score. Maybe they stole the newborn, but raised it kindly until they were found out by the white family. Or abandonment. My incredible husband Jeff's favourite theory. There was a family of black freed folks living in the woods near this plantation. One night, out in the woods, they stumbled upon a white newborn abandoned baby. Why might one abandon a baby in those days? Premarital relations, abuse, incest, birth defect, dark days, y'all. So the freed folks don't have the heart to let the baby suffer and die alone. So they take him in, raise him, and three years later, some white slave-owning people finds the kid and his adoptive family all in a cave. And in a face-saving move, the white slave owners predictably place all of the blame on the freed family for this surprise of finding the baby that they thought they had, you know, rid themselves of. And unfortunately, the father is hanged. That's the ultimate outcome. That's the one thing that we do know mm-hmm. from this fucking crazy story. But yes, yeah, so that's their theories. And uh, they just wanted to share that insane story that they had found. Yeah, the last one seems the most reason, the most, most reasonable. Yeah, same to me. The most plausible. Like, Yeah. So thanks, Claire and Jeff. That was definitely... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The most shocking. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Like, Because most of our stories are paranormal, which is fair. We love them. Mm-hmm. But this is 1000% old timey true crime. Yeah, we hardly get true crime. Yeah, especially from what was it, the 1820s? Yeah. Insane. So, and I've been toying with the idea of that whole genealogy ancestry.com thing. Well, yours be easy though, because but you my wouldn't granny even have... knows like five generations back or something. Yeah. You would, wouldn't have to go that far because you just have to go to the Cliffs of Moore to look at your genealogy because Lynch is there. Oh, yeah. I did look into it briefly. Yeah. There's different, like, anyway. um, Lynch and Drew are there. Yeah. Oh, and O'Brien. Yeah. That's why we have a banshee associated with us. Or so they say. But yeah. Anyway, thanks, Claire. That was a fucking wild ride. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for that. Yeah. So the next story. Hi, Adam and Dulce. Hello. My name is Holly, and I'm a listener from Sydney. What? Oh, my God. Sydney, Australia. That's where Nemo, Dora, and Merlin are. Was it Merle? Wallaby Way? Yeah. I can't remember the numbers. Mm-hmm. And the little girl with the braces. Oh, that fucking psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Right. So my name is Holly, and I'm a listener. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We... <laughs> Hi, Holly. We got distracted. So my name is Holly, and I'm a listener from Sydney. Oh, that's where I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I currently work as an intelligence analyst for the police force, and I'm going through a turbulent time in my career. 
what the fuck? Yeah. And I didn't know you were a badass. Yeah, because <laughs> I always, when, when I get these emails, I try and read like just the first few sentences mm. without reading the story. And I read this and I was just like blown away. I was like, what? That's awesome. Yeah, seriously. But one hell of a tough job. Yep. My current contract is ending and I'm branching out into some more hands-on intelligent roles. We're in week eight of lockdown for Sydney and not looking at opening up until probably November. Yeah, I heard about that, that they went into lockdown. All of Australia went into lockdown um, and their lockdown is very strict over there. Yeah. Uh, like you get you like you absolutely cannot leave and only one person can go to the grocery from your household, like literally everywhere. But the U.S. is handling it well. I mean, yeah. And yeah, that sucks for you guys, but hopefully it gets you out of the out of you, this hole sooner. Yeah, yeah, it sucks for you guys, but honestly, that is what you need to do. And kudos for sticking you, with it, for sticking with it, and for doing it properly. Anyways, back to the story. I actually found you guys from your "Let's Not Meet" episode. What? What? I have I have been listening to last podcast on the left since 2016. And have only recently branched out into some other podcasts like Someplace Underneath, Up and Vanished, Let's Not Meet, etc. And actually, I because I did write back to her, and to, to be among that list is insane. But Someplace Underneath is Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left, Wife's um, new podcast about missing, like forgotten people, like missing sex workers, drug addicts and stuff like that. that police and stuff just don't put the effort into the finding and it is incredible so definitely listen to that podcast if you're down for a very sad depressing time but it's the detail they go into is insane yeah so she goes on to say but you guys are my go-to at work at the moment your episode links are perfect for me to listen to at work and the chemistry between between you two is awesome i was obsessed with the Black Monk series. <laughs> Your research is so well done, and I love Dulce's jokes. Quote, <laughs> she decided to stay at the Chelsea Hotel with a medium? Why not a large? End quote. I literally choked on my coffee at work. Yeah, I still have not <laughs> forgiven Dulce for that one. I have to say that's one of my best work. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we should uh, take a pause there. On the story, because like you were just saying yourself, Adam, in Holly's mind, we have joined the echelon of last podcast on the left. Let's not meet someplace underneath. And she goes on to say that your research is so well done. So let that sink in, Adam. I have. My head is about to explode. I'm big cocky bastard over here now. <laughs> Get out of my way, people at the grocery store. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I want you to let that sink in because that's a high compliment. Yeah, no, no, this this whole first paragraph of email had me like red at the ears, like glowing with pride. <laughs> and I also want you to let what I also no. want you to let sink in. I know what you're going to say. No. Is that my jokes are funny. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so she goes on to write, you make me laugh, you make me cry, and you're basically just great company during a difficult time. Thank you for all that you do, and please know 
that your work on Weekly Creep really matters. It makes a huge difference to my day, and I really appreciate you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate you Love too, that. Holly. Now for my listener story. Finally. <laughs> so I have attached a photo I took and then a Zach Bagginsy copy of it <laughs> so that you can see what I'm referring to. But I really would appreciate you guys not sharing this photo. You got oh. it. Yeah, no worries. I've had it since I was a kid and have never shared it other than to give a copy to the place where it was taken. It's quite personal to me, even though it's on display at the location, and I just don't want it ending up all over the internet. That's totally fair. That being said, I know you guys love ghost photos, and your podcast means a lot to me, so I really wanted to share it with you. Okay, so when I was a kid, I was obsessed with scary movies and anything paranormal or true crime related. I went as Scully from the X-Files for Halloween two years in a row. Nice. I had a little FBI badge and everything. (laughs) Have you guys seen the photo shoot that, I guess, Scully and Mulder, I I forget uh, Scully's real name. I think it's like Dana something and uh, David Duchovny. They did a photo shoot with, I think it was David LaChapelle or somebody. But it's amazing. He's a photographer, David LaChapelle. I think David LaChapelle uh, shot them both for an article that was being covered. They survived. But <laughs> so the photos came out and they were they're true works of art. Wow. They're amazing. Like you, you should look them up. Listeners, you should look them up. OK. Her name in real life is Jillian Anderson. In the show, she's Dana Scully. Oh, Anyways, yeah. going back to the story. Every year on my birthday, the same date as Weekly Creep Reversary. that's pretty cool yeah happy birthday yeah i would have my birthday party at a place called the quarantine station where they did ghost tours here's a website for reference it's also one of the most haunted sites in australia the quarantine station is a place in north head in sydney basically an old settlement on cliffs that overlook the ocean near manly beach It's very isolated, mainly surrounded by military barracks that are empty a good amount of time. It is a very significant place in Sydney history. For the Aboriginal people, the traditional custodians of our land, this place was a place of significant teaching and ceremonial practice. After settlement and colonization, the land was used as a quarantine facility through the 1830s until 1984. It's since been used as a wedding and reception facility due to the large buildings and beautiful views, but it still has a very dark history. That's so crazy. It like took a left turn like, oh, people use it as a wedding for weddings. (laughs) People who arrived by ship into Sydney Harbor, who were believed to carry infectious diseases, were sent to the quarantine station so that they wouldn't spread their disease into Sydney City. The people quarantined there suffered from Spanish influenza, smallpox, or bubonic plague, and mostly it was just a place to die. Back in the 90s, before the tours became the cheesy rendition they are now, the ghost tour would start in the car park with an old-fashioned history video explaining smallpox and the role of the quarantine facility. Then, with old rickety lanterns, you would make your way through old hospital wards with original beds and furniture. Then through the winding trails down to the acid showers and the shoreline where the ships used to dock. As a kid, 
I remember the place always being heavily quiet with a silence that seemed to stifle you, like a tight blanket. Jesus. I had many experiences here, including being overwhelmed by the sudden smell of baby powder, a sign that one of the resident nurse ghosts was hanging around, and a run-in at the mortuary where I felt someone hit me in the back, only to find no one was standing behind me. Uh, why is it always in the mortuary as well? Like, you would think... People are already dead when they get there. Why is it extra spooky down there? <laughs> I know. Listen, Holly, that reminds me of the recent video of Nuke's Top 5. Just watch it. Trust <laughs> me, Holly. <You'll, laughs> the guy gets pulled by his shirt twice. Yeah. You need to insane. see it. The two most intense experiences I remember having are still super vivid to me. I'm so sorry if this is so rambly. Feel free to break this up if it's too long. Don't worry, we're having a great time. And we've made it longer by just like <laughs> yeah. having such conversations. So. <laughs> the first experience occurred in the hospital ward. I was there for a school excursion, actually, in the evening. I would have been around 13 years old. I had a best friend at the time who we all called Paddington because he looked like Paddington Bear. That's adorable. <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> He's like, I want, to, I want you to be my girlfriend, but she keeps calling me Paddington Bear. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe stop wearing the big blue coat and the red hat. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no one wants to date me. They all want to hug me. <laughs> he was a huge skeptic and was making jokes the whole time, not taking it seriously at all. I feel like that's a defense mechanism. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I thought of myself as a mini paranormal investigator, so I brought my own little digital camera with me to try and see if I could get anything interesting. Oh my god, that's amazing. When we got into the old hospital ward on the cliffside, there were multiple wards that were joined together by an outside veranda plankway that you could walk along to get from ward to ward. The guide got a bit ahead of us with the rest of the group and we lagged behind. I was super interested in the wars and knew things were more likely to happen, paranormal-wise, away from the group. I also kind of wanted something to happen, just to stick it to Paddington for being such a pain in the ass the whole night. <laughs> so we were in one of the wards, just the two of us. It was that really stifling, heavy quiet. There were three metal beds on either side of the room, and the only light was the moon coming through the windows and one lantern we had sat on one of the tables beside the beds. Before they moved on, the guide had just finished telling us a story about the matron, a ghostly nurse who had haunted the place and hated it when any guests messed up the sheets or made a mess. She had previously hit out at guests who were noisy or disrespectful. I decided to sit on one by the window. Paddington did the same on the next bed along from me. I think just to show he wasn't scared to. I remember sitting down on the bed and closing my eyes. I was trying really hard to be quiet and just to be open to any spirits that might have been there. I felt this sudden wave of nausea and a pressure in my head and before I knew it, I'd burst out sobbing. Proper gut-wrenching crying, unlike I've ever cried before or since. I have absolutely no idea why. I was just overcome with this really intense grief. I remember looking at Paddington, who was still sitting on the other bed, facing away from me. He didn't move or even seem to acknowledge that I was crying, but he was sitting super straight and super still. 
In between my sobs, I managed to gasp in a breath, and suddenly I felt the bed move underneath me, as if someone had just sat down beside me. I looked at the pressed white hospital sheets, and there was an impression right next to me, as if someone was sitting down. I fumbled for my camera, hoping to take a picture of the impression, even though I was still crying. Real trooper. <laughs> I felt rooted to the spot, like my legs were made of wood, and I couldn't move. But then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something move by the window. I flinched and just took a picture at the window. As soon as the camera clicked, I felt like I could move again, and I immediately jumped out of the bed and scrambled into the middle of the room. At seemingly the same time, Paddington leapt off the bed and scrambled to sit beside me, grabbing at his arms. He was wearing this school t-shirt, and by the light coming through the windows, I could see little red pinpricks on his arms, as if he'd been punctured by a needle. What? Needless to say, we were both freaked and ran the hell out of there. It wasn't until later on in the tour that I was looking back on my photos and found that one, where in the window, you can clearly see a face. Not just a face, but the outline of the very distinctive digger hat that the Australian military used to wear. I showed the guide, and she just went very quiet. At the end of the tour, she asked for a copy, which I gave her. And 17 years later, it's still on display in the visitor's lounge. Needless to say, Paddington wasn't a skeptic after that. And he was very quiet and polite for the rest of the tour. <laughs> what I found super weird about the encounter was that even though I'd been sobbing, when we ran out of the room, there were no tears on my face. And my eyes weren't puffy or anything. I asked Paddington why he didn't turn around when I was crying, and he said he didn't hear me crying at all. It was super weird and really intense. That is fucking insane. That like overwhelming emotion thing freaks me out as well. It's like, yeah. what is... See, I Are wouldn't be able to mind? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell if it's just like paranormal or just me because just freaking out, I'm like... a big crybaby. So anyways. Yeah, but I d Okay, <laughs> I know we keep going off, but I have had this like weird thing happen to me only a handful of times in like spooky places mm -hmm. where my face will start like doing this weird twitching thing. It does that all the time. No. <laughs> yeah, I twitch. I'm a twitchy person. But as in like my mouth will start to like Oh, that um, I've never seen. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if anyone's seen it. I've only ever felt it. Yeah, literally, you're... like, say if I was smiling, uh -huh. like, it's as if my mouth is pulling itself into a frown or something. Ugh. Happened to me in the Wicklow jail when I was in the, the cell on my own. And I wasn't scared, nothing like that. But it was as if something was trying to change the expression of my face. That's the best I can describe it. I feel like I throw something at you and run. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, it, I know you're Adam, it was but just I a still fucking, throw something at yeah, you. Yeah, it was the strange, strangest fucking feeling ever. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. Like, I'd be, look at you and be like, no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the only thing I could uh, relate it to was, like, maybe it was just the general feeling of the place, like, seeping yeah. in or something. I don't that's know. weird. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen that on your face. I've only ever seen your eyebrow and your nose twitch. Yeah, which is a constant. It's adorable. I think I have to <laughs> All right. My second experience at the quarantine station actually still frightens me to think about, let alone talk about. It features Paddington, again. <laughs> just casually scaring me for life. Scarring oh, me. <laughs> just casually scarring me for life. <laughs> Fucking Paddington, man. This time we were on a ghost tour, a year earlier, for my 12th birthday. It was a small group, maybe eight of us, and it was a Thursday night. I'd had a few experiences over the years. I'd been going to the quarantine station ghost tours for my birthday since I was seven years old. That's so cool. Yeah, that is. But hadn't really had anything too scary happen. 
I'd sometimes got the smell of baby powder or felt a presence or seen a shadow, but nothing as tangible and terrifying as what happened that night. It was right at the end of the tour and we just walked down the winding cliff face. Oh, face. (laughs) (laughs) It was right at the end of the tour and we had just walked down the winding cliff face to where the acid showers and docks were. The acid showers are creepy as fuck. See below picture of creepy shadow man wearing a goddamn fedora. You can also see pictures of the hospital ward mentioned above and other people encountering soldiers, nurses, etc. That, sorry, just real quick, that uh, picture of the shadow person, can you see that on your phone? Yeah. It looks much the same as that uh, digger hat that she sent us, that yeah. reference, yeah. Interesting how we're talking about shadow men with hats. Yeah. That's the theme <laughs> of the... Uh, theme of the day, I guess. the day, yeah. So acid showers themselves sound scary as fuck. Yeah. But anyways, so the acid showers are called that because they used to be the first stop for migrants before they went into quarantine. They'd have to strip down and have a carbolic acid shower. This was to remove any germs, fleas, and lice. Oh, and it would also cause the top layer of your skin to melt off. Wow. I mean, I feel like you pay to go to do that nowadays, but okay. Not to mention what it would do to people who already had the bubonic plague. Open sores, filling with acid. Ugh. Not just that, but there were a lot of stories about men, women, and children being sexually assaulted in these showers, too. On top of that, just as a nice little cherry on top, there are stories about an aboriginal spirit from folklore who apparently lurks in the rafters of the shower cubicles. Think of the creature from Spirited Away when it is trying to eat everyone in the bathhouse. What the fuck? What's up with these synchronicities? Because just yesterday, I was talking about, what's his uh, No Face. That's what she's referring to, No Face. I think that's oh, Because he's the one that eats people. I don't know. I'm we literally you. were just talking about that yesterday at work. That's so weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Absolute nightmare fuel. That's insane and terrifying. How the fuck? Anyways, essentially a big black creature that clings to the roof like a lizard and runs along there. What in the actual fuck? Some people say it's a demonic presence that basically fed off of all the pain, negative energy, and suffered and suffering that has happened there. That's crazy. Like this is literally a chunk out of the first story. Yeah. Or from Ninja Pop that story. Like Yeah. So back to twelve year old me. We were stood at the entrance to the shower block waiting to go in. The guide opens the doors and lets us walk around in the dark while he tells stories. Of course it's terrifying and I felt watched (laughs) the whole time. By the time I got out of there, I was a trembling wreck. I was so scared. Paddington, however, being a skeptic, was joking and laughing the whole time. He made fun of me for how scared I was. Now I understand this vendetta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. As the guide and the rest of the tour moved on, he hung back with me and double dared me to go back in there. I was a tomboy and a complete idiot who really couldn't handle being called a scaredy cat, basically. He dared me to go by myself back into the shower blocks, down the middle runway, all the way to the back of the block and back. I'd been too scared to go all the way to the back the first time around. So like the prideful idiot I was, I said yes. Paddington opened the doors to the shower block and I took a few steps into the pitch black building. That heavy silence weighed heavily on me, but I just took a shaky breath and pushed on, basically running, to the end of the shower block. 
All I had to do was touch the back and I would be free to run out again, dignity intact. I slapped the back of the block harder than I thought and the pipes and the corrugated iron rung in an echo that seemed to go on forever. But I didn't care. I'd done it. I ran back towards the light, adrenaline pumping. But then the light started to get smaller. I realized as I heard him laughing that Paddington was closing the doors. He was going to lock me in there in the dark. I let out a cry and ran into the doors just as they closed. I could hear him laughing and I felt this sheer panic that made my hands and feet tingle. I was screaming, begging, but he just kept laughing. And then I heard him walking away. I couldn't get the door open. It was pitch black and I didn't even know how the door worked. I think it could only be open from the outside. That's when the echoing around me suddenly stopped. I heard a really weird popping sound, like as if my ears had popped, but I didn't feel the sensation, if that makes sense. And then I heard heavy footsteps. They sounded like they were coming down the center of the aisle, and I was too terrified to turn around. They were getting closer. I suddenly felt the insides of my nostrils burning, and I could smell a really strong chemical smell. My eyes watered and the footsteps suddenly stopped. I forced myself to turn around, my back pressed against the closed door. It's really hard for me to describe what I actually saw, but it was terrifying. It was a man in his late 50s in a white suit, holding a pocket watch. He had a hat on and a really old-timey curled-up mustache. He looked as if he was in an old photograph, but was flickering in and out of focus, kind of like really old slide presentations. I felt like he was angry with me and I couldn't seem to force myself to look for any length of time at his face. It was a feeling like I was in trouble. Looking back now, I think I was in shock and I actually fainted. The next thing I remember is waking up on the ground outside of the shower block with the group around me. Apparently, I started screaming and Paddington couldn't open the door, so he'd run to get the guide. When they opened the door, they found me unconscious on the floor. They could all smell the chemical smell that I could, but nobody saw anything. Still creeps me out to this day. I had to sleep with the lights on for weeks after that. Anyway, sorry this has gone on forever, but I've been holding back on sending my stories in. But when you specifically asked for Australian stories, I had to send these in. I grew up on a sacred Aboriginal site when I was a kid and had some really creepy experiences there too. But I'll save those stories for another time. Thanks guys. Love, Holly fucking hell okay holly wow. first of all in regards to the last story 12 year old holly had some balls on her she really did going back in there whether mm -hmm. it was out of uh spite or not oh no fucking way yeah and that was a really really good description of what you saw mm -hmm. i can't even imagine i would probably black out too to be fair that's so wild though i literally i was so engrossed in that story by the end i couldn't even react as you were reading it i was just like oh my god that digger hat <laughs> looks really cool yeah it's bitching right mm -hmm. oh yeah and the the photo that she took mm -hmm. sorry that you're not going to get to see it Chris, but it just is one of good. yeah it's one of the clearest like even without the uh zach baggins etching <laughs> on the next one like i could make it out very clearly yeah um, yeah i didn't know where to look so thanks for that uh, now I can see it. <laughs> now I know where to look. Yeah. Oh, and also the fact that everybody could smell that chemical smell. Yeah. Is that verification for you? And at first I like Paddington, but fuck that kid now. 
<laughs> well, he got his comeuppance. You know? Oh, yeah, he did. Okay, so the next one is another repeat offender, Devin Teeter of Blunt Force History Podcast. Very good. Very good. And he says, hey, Dulce. Hey, hey. Adam. <laughs> I was hey. like, wait a minute, didn't I say hey to you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Figured I'd write in another story for the group. As I've only told stories about the Marine Corps, and as much as it tries to, it doesn't define my personality. My paranormal history goes back a couple of decades now, reaching into the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. Mm. Of course, everybody knows about the Stanley Hotel. Apparently, that place is haunted. I couldn't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> my parents were the type of people that decided if we were going to drive one to three hours into the towering Rockies, we weren't paying $300 to sleep inside. So we never really hung out around the big haunted attraction in the state. Colorado ghost nerds will also probably know about the Molly Brown House. Some of the areas, including caves and shit in Colorado Springs, and basically every small mountain town that's still populated with a ghost story. This isn't about any of those places, though I do recommend the trip if you're willing to risk the alpine weather. Snow flurries in July are rare, but they do happen. Mm. I am literally trying my fucking ever-living hardest to get Dulce to come to the Rockies with me. Ever-living hardest? Yeah, I don't even know. Very hard. (laughs) (laughs) So hard. These stories take place throughout the suburbs on the south side of the Denver metro area. Forgive me if I fuck up some of the details. It's been a while since I regaled people with stories about bullshit from my youth. The good news is... I'm not lying about some bullshit football story or something. Mm. Okay. You can trust me. I'm a stranger on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the levity aside, growing up in Colorado was a good time. We don't have nearly the amount of history packed into places on the East Coast, so our ghost legends are few, far between, and new-ish. Since I got into ghosts young, I ate up all of the stories I could about the paranormal. Maybe that interest opened me up to see some shit later on. Or maybe my family is just haunted. Who knows? Of course, not having that much ghost lore just means paranormal occurrences are even more surprising when they happen. One brisk fall night, my friend and I learned that the hard way. Two friends and I had snuck out from a sleepover and we were looking to get into basic juvenile delinquency. What we found instead would make us basically shit ourselves. We had a method. We would get out through our basement window and make our way onto a greenway area called the Highline Canal. Several trails, parks and bridges connect the network of creeks back to the South Platte River. Plus, cops are super rare in that area, so it was a good central point to find dumb shit to get into. Our jump-off point was one of the central parks. It was abutted by a rec centre and the trails led anywhere we'd need to go. We were wandering our way down a trail, slowly leaving the scattered streetlights of the park behind us. We didn't usually go this way, since we didn't know how those paths connected to the other parks. For clarity, we three dumbass teens were walking into the dark, next to a nature preserve, in the middle of the night, on a path none of us truly knew. Nobody accused us of being smart. (laughs) (laughs) Ignorantly, we marched on. About 50 yards ahead of us was a bridge. Further in the distance, there was a final building on a hill before the trail became overrun with trees. As we got to within 20 yards of the bridge, there was a massive commotion on the other side. What sounded like a thundering of horses' hooves charged us and pounded right over the bridge. My friends, being sane, 
ran off the trail and towards the tree line. I, on the other hand, was confounded. <laughs> Even with the limited light we had, I expected to see a fucking horse if we were actually being charged. I stood my ground, waiting to see the flesh and blood horse. One of our friends circled back and yeeted my dumb ass off the trail. <laughs> I deserved it, but I was mad because I wanted to see the horsey. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what I argued as we walked our happy asses back up the trail and out of the park. We were weirded out by what we saw, or rather, what we didn't see. That night our juvenile delinquency could live on the Xbox. But the friendly neighborhood ghost horse wasn't done with us yet. <laughs> As we were walking up the hill that exited the park, we were talking about what just happened. I still couldn't get it. Just as I was saying, guys, that sounded like a horse. <laughs> there was a loud hoof of a horse behind us. We looked around and not a single thing was in the well-lit pavilion area we were walking through to go home. None of us have ever ran that fast in our lives. <laughs> that horse sent us on our way and we never heard or saw anything like it again. Now, as far as my early life goes, most of my paranormal experiences can be, can be written off as nightmares and such. All the legends were in the city or the mountains. Things were fucking boring. Well, basically everything but one major plot of land. A few of my friends grew up next to a massive cemetery. Now, this cemetery is average by all accounts. It's big, it's pretty, and well-maintained but it's still a bunch of dead people in the dirt with some stones telling you who they were. <laughs> that, and it's the place where the city of Littleton built the Columbine Memorial. Okay. So to us kids, that place was good enough to be haunted. One Halloween night, we tried to sneak in. One of the same friends from the park story above chickened out and we went home. Of course, that didn't stop 19-year-old me from bringing a different crew in on post-deployment leave six years later. This time we drove in, thinking that gave us some kind of advantage. We figured a ghost hunt was just what we all needed to get the blood flowing. Driving across the threshold of the cemetery was an experience of its own. The dark seemed to dim the headlights and surround us as we made our way to a central place to park the car. We crawled through the winding road, moving at a snail's pace because we could barely see. Getting to the place we figured would be good enough we threw the car in park and sat in the dark. Now, nothing happened. No, I didn't get murdered by a vengeful ghost. But what spurred me on my way out there was the sheer gut feeling. You know how it feels when you accidentally interrupt a meeting of great importance? You stumble in and everyone just stares at you until you sheepishly back out of the room. Imagine that feeling, but you just walked onto a stage during a speech and stole the mic from the speaker. I literally felt like hundreds, if not thousands, of angry, glaring eyes were staring at our dark car. It may not have been ghosts, but the cemetery made it loud and fucking clear that we needed to leave. So leave we did. Once we crossed the threshold again, the environment lifted, and we all went home. Listen to your gut, guys. Don't gallivant into the dark woods. Ghosts will come to you. You don't have to go to them. Hope you enjoyed this batch. As always, your friend, Devin. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. I Thanks, thoroughly Devin. enjoyed that. Yeah. And I know the feeling of walking into some, like interrupting while you're walking in somewhere. I've done that to Adam. I'll walk in and he's 
on the toilet and he's looking at me and I'm like, oh, I, I guess I'm interrupting something. And I just sheepishly walk out. Yep. <laughs> I'll be there with my Harry Potter like, excuse me. <laughs> no, that I lock the door every fucking time. I double check. Literally, one of my biggest fears is someone breaking into the house while I'm on the toilet. I will always be prepared. Well, that's why I that leave situation. the door open. No, see, that's psycho talk to me. <laughs> Okay, well, this has been one of the longest um, titillating tales of true terror. Mm. And I have been so on edge and I enjoyed those stories so fucking much. Mm -hmm. I'm emotionally drained. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, guys, if you have any other stories that you want to send our way, please send them to us. That's that's including you too, Ninja Pop-Tart, Holly and Devin. Yeah. Always send them back in. We mm-hmm. always, always, always love hearing from you guys. And um yeah, thank you to the new listeners, thank you to the old listeners, the repeat offenders, the first time story tell- mm-hmm. story senders. If you don't follow us on Instagram, make sure you do. Um we are definitely most active on there. Check us out on Facebook. If you want more bonus content or any bonus content, join our Patreon. We now have a $2 tier, $5 tier, $10 tier, all with different um, benefits. And we have a blog channel called Amran Dulce. Called Amran Dulce. Oh, <laughs> a new blog channel called Adam and Dulce. Sorry, it was a mid-burp. Yeah, we're not as consistent on there, but you will get a new video every few weeks or so. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. Thank you all very much for listening. We will see you on Friday for the next episode. All right. Bye. Bye.